Welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adults podcast. I'm Lynn Pryor, and with me is my co-host, Chris Johnson. Chris, are you doing okay today? Doing great, Lynn. Looking forward to this conversation about the church. Well, I am too, because we have a guest with us as we do each session, and that is Chris James. Chris, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And we wanted Chris to be a part of this podcast because we are starting a new study called Why Do I Need the Church? And Chris is the one who wrote the study that's in our personal study guides and in the daily discipleship guide. Now, Chris, I'm just going to ask this up front. Uh, knowing that you're serving uh, in, in Miss, uh, Mississippi, you're serving in Massachusetts. You're serving up there as a uh, pastor and you're serving, you're working with the colleges as well, right? Uh, minister to college yep. students. Uh, yep. You're primarily at uh, UMass Lowell, is that correct? Yep, at UMass Lowell, but I also strategize in the greater Boston area and greater New England for for college, uh, for campus work and collegiate church planting. Well, so you're you're busy. I have a but, few things going on. <laughs> yeah, but I have to ask this because I also know you are a graduate of the of uh, Southern Mississippi. So yep. I'm going to take it you are a Mississippi boy. I grew up in Mississippi for the first 23 years of my life. I went on a spring break mission trip. My senior year of college, North American Mission Board was doing strategic focus cities back in 2001, and Boston was one of them. And they were shipping hundreds of college students to the Boston area over spring break, working with campuses and church plants at that time. I caught a vision for making disciples of college students in an unchurched context, and I moved here immediately after college. And that was in 2002, and I've lived here ever since. Never looked back. I have been to Boston, Cambridge area three times in my life, and I absolutely love that area. Uh, But I I, I can imagine coming from the south, moving out of the Bible Belt into Boston. Was was there an adjustment for you in that in any way? Yeah, two words, culture shock. (laughs) It it, it was culture shock for me as a young 23-year-old. but now, because I've lived here for 18 years, honestly, when I spend time in the Southeast, it's almost reverse culture shock in some ways, because I have just become so used to living here um, with uh, the way culture is and the values. And so I, I don't know, I guess I have dual citizenship at this point. <laughs> wow. Well, that's great. So thanks again, Chris, for being with us. Our, our study is titled, Why Do I Need the Church? And Occasionally, we bump into people who uh, claim to to have faith in Christ, um, but they really don't know what they feel about the church. So we've heard people say, I, I love Jesus, but I, I, why do I need the church? And uh, is that something that you bump into some in um, your area of the world? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I almost think in living in America, that's almost universal in some ways. Okay. So uh, we're going to look for six weeks at the significance of the church for us and, and why we do need the church. Uh, the first session will be on um, the reality that we're joined together. I think uh, it's important to let you know that we are um, all of our, all of these studies will be out of the book of Ephesians. So Paul is writing to a church about church and uh, <laughs> we are the beneficiaries of that. So the point we're going to see then in this very first Bible study is that when we come to Christ, we also become a part of the body of Christ. I think that's an important place for us to start as we think about, well, why do I need the church? There's a sense of it's not an option because you come to Christ, you are coming to his church. 
uh, we are, you know, we're, we're social creatures anyway. We're not designed to live in isolation. So uh, we think about the different groups we have, like family, uh, friends, social networks, things like that. But the church is a family. And when you come to Christ, bam, you're part of the family as well. Chris, I love the fun fact that you shared about uh, Redwoods. You want to recount that? Oh, yeah. Like this, this was, I remember when I went to Muir Woods, I was at a conference in San Francisco a couple of years ago and I visited Muir Woods where the tall redwoods are out there and it was my first time to ever see them in person and when you see them they're just staggering in their beauty and strength but when I was learning about them there and reading the plaques immediately I just thought okay there's a metaphor um, because you have these 300 foot plus tall trees but they have very shallow root systems and uh, what gives them their strength is the roots don't go very deep, but they go out even hundreds of feet away from the base and they intertwine with the roots of other trees. And so a redwood, I guess, functionally would not be able to exist very well on its own. But when you put them in a forest together and those roots are just intertwining with each other underneath the, the surface of the earth, it's just a forest of, of strong, vital trees. And that's such a picture of the body of Christ. Sure and is. so for the, for the Christ follower who says that I don't need the church, well, I mean, first of all, there's a theological problem, which I guess we could talk about in just a moment, but there's a functional problem with it too, because if you're going to say you don't need the church, you're going to be that, you're going to be that lone redwood trying to weather the winds and storms of this life, but your roots aren't strong enough in you and of yourself to, to give you that strength and vitality. And so you're going to miss out on one of the great blessings that God has actually designed you for. Sure. And I imagine those trees are easy to knock down had they not had that uh, interconnectedness mm -hmm. with that root system. But let, I tell you what let's do with this study. Since we're, we're going to be in Ephesians 1 to start with, let's start where the church starts, and that's with Christ. Uh, let me read. This is Ephesians 1, verse 20 excuse me, verse 22, and it's talking about Jesus. The Father subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, and the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. We want to see right off the bat as we talk about the church that Christ is the head of his church. It's really an interesting uh, reminder for us. Uh, I think uh, in a lot of the churches, uh, that that we uh, minister to uh, sometimes there's debate over who's the head of the church who who runs sure. the church uh, uh, and, and I'm always so pleased that Paul made it really clear here in Ephesians and in Colossians and other places that Jesus is the head of the church as a church leader whether you're a Sunday school teacher or whether you're an elder or a deacon or a pastor I mean that humbles you too because although God has very uh, strategically uh, ordained offices in the local church for local leadership, the, no, none of us is ultimately the ultimate head of that church. It's Jesus. And so even our leaders are still submitting themselves to a greater leader uh, who is Jesus Christ. Right. And as he is the head of the church, he is also the one who brought us into that church we didn't come on our own he's the one who brought us and for many this is going to be a familiar passage in ephesians 2 8 uh and i would say let's not assume everybody knows it but let me do read ephesians 2 8 for you for you are saved by grace through faith and this is not from yourselves it is god's gift 
not from works so that no one can boast. I mean, so there then, it is. Go ahead, Chris. I appreciate so much that um, you know, we created these outlines that uh, we were advocates of being sure that we use this passage as a, uh, as a basis for, for our faith, that we communicate clearly that it is by grace through faith that we're saved. Uh, there's nothing that we can do to, to earn it. We don't deserve it. But uh, God has given us this wonderful, wonderful gift. And um, that's a part of why it's important to be a part of the church. It's a great opportunity uh, in uh, groups for people to talk about um, uh, salvation and uh, to maybe use as a springboard into a, an, evangel an evangelistic conversation as well. Chris, there's one thing you did. I'm sure everyone, if you're listening, you probably have a personal study guide or a daily discipleship guide. And you'll see this in what Chris did with uh, this passage, verses 8 through 10. Uh, I love it, Chris, how you talked about we are saved. And then the next paragraph or next bullet, you built on that. We are saved by grace. And then you stress we are saved by grace through faith. And you just kind of kept building on that. I thought that was a rich way to approach this. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I think sometimes, sometimes we, especially with familiarity, and a lot of us who have been in the church for a long time, we, we can read this passage and it's very familiar and, and sometimes it's just going back to elementary things. Which like, let's just read the text and let's just break it down. And when you break it down and you can build upon it like that, I, it was rich for me as well. So I appreciate that. And I think as, as we dialogue about this in our different groups, there is a great question. And it's uh, in the particular book I'm looking in, it's question number three. What is the relationship between grace, faith, and works? Now, again, we talk about this as a familiar passage to a lot of us in our groups, but we're also discovering just in conversations that people understand faith in different ways. Uh, some of you were with us back in the spring when we had a study on called Holy Vocabulary, and we looked at this word faith because it's so defined or understood by people in different ways. So I would encourage you in your group with whoever you're talking with, Bat that around. What is the relationship between grace, faith, and the works we do? Good discussion question. The next section we're going to get into is Ephesians 2, uh, verses 19 through 22. And I, well, let's, just, let's see this, that we are members together. You know, Christ brings us into his church. And the emphasis we want to do now is, okay, and we're in his church together. Let me just uh, read verse uh, 19 very quickly. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints. Here's the thing, fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Then down in verse 22, in him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. So a couple of questions that we have, I thought that were helpful um, from a discussion perspective um, are found in, in this section. Uh, one of the questions is when have you experienced a sense of togetherness in your church? And I think that it's important to ask that question because I don't think we can assume that that's the case, but I think it's also healthy for, for people uh, who are part of the church to talk about the significance of, of, uh, of being together uh, as the body of Christ. Absolutely. And this, this 
this section of scripture in Ephesians 2, this is probably my favorite section in all the New Testament in talking about the church. And I, I think here there are some theological principles that I think as Christians we totally miss so often, but it just radically transforms your vision. And you go back to the beginning of our podcast here where we talked about being a Christian but not being a part of the church. Ephesians 2 here would just not understand that. And, and what's so radical here is you had these two groups of people in Ephesus. You had the Jews and the Gentiles, and you had the Jews who had a superiority complex because they really believed that they were the superior ones because of their genealogical lineages. But then you had the Gentiles who were, for their ancestors, had been on the outside looking in for generations, looking from the outside into God's people. And Paul is writing at the beginning of uh, uh, this section in verse 11, talking about there's Jew and Gentile, but no, 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 no. But through the blood of Christ, he has knocked down that dividing wall and he's caused the two to become one. And then you go down to verse 19 and 20, where he says, now we are fellow citizens and saints together mm-hmm. uh, for God's dwelling. This is huge. And, and, and even today, you look at our churches, I know that my, and my church is probably a little bit unique because of the area of the country I live in, but I mean, we're probably 50% white and we're, we're looking out at this United Nations and our, and our context where people are speaking different languages or coming from different countries of origin. We have, we vote differently in our presidential elections, but we are united by this gospel. And the Bible tells us here that we are family of very family. And this spiritual family now transcends any earthly family that we're a part of. Now, now, yes, we still love our families, our natural families. Yes, great blessings from God. But there's a family that's even greater than that family. And so I'm, I, I'm just going to say this and be, be done because I could keep talking <laughs> about this for a while, guys. But the way I try to sum this up for my people, as I say it this way, is that in the gospel, God has uh, given us a new identity. Uh, through Jesus Christ, and that he's given us a new family uh, in the church. And you can't separate those things. Um, And so it's a principle and practice thing. So if you say, if you say, I I just need Jesus, I don't need the church. So there's the principle, you're already a part of the church, whether you think you are or not. I mean, the principle is there. And so when I attach myself to a local church and commit myself to a local church, what I'm doing is I'm now functioning in practice the reality of the principle. Ah, if that makes sense. That's good stuff. That'll preach well. Thanks, Chris. So the other question that is uh, uh, a part of this is uh, asking people to talk about their experience. How has the church played a significant role in your life? And my hope is that people can have those kind of conversations to talk about, even if it's the, even if they've been in the same church their whole life, they can talk about the significance of the church. Um, uh, I'm, I, I've been in the ministry all of my adult life. And my first experience was um, away from home. It was, um, I moved to uh, from Louisville, Kentucky to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, Uh, and the church became my life. It was my family in a very real sense. And it shaped forever how I viewed the church. I came up with a very healthy perspective of the church, but it was enhanced uh, by that experience. And, and I've, I've only lived back in Louisville for a short period of time when I finished school, rest of my life have been away from there, away from family. And uh, the church has always been my family. 
in, in a very, very real way. So it would be easy for me to spend a lot of time talking about the significant role of the church in my life uh, for all of my adult life and how that's impacted my kids and those kind of things as well. That's good. Now, as we come to the end of this study, there's going to be that so what question. Okay, this was a nice dialogue looking through Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2. What do I do with this? I think Chris James has provided us some excellent thoughts to wrap this up. Uh, and I just want to capture these live it out statements you made. How do we live this out? One is for some of us, we may have to go back and just assess if we have any wrong mindsets or attitudes toward people in our church. Maybe there's something there we need to confess because we have not treated them as members of the church or given them the same standing as we've given other members. Uh, the other one is here that if you're not a member of a local church, become a member, pursue membership to begin experiencing the beauty of living together. That's richly said. Uh, this is not just a Bible study for information, but it's to remind us if you're not involved in a church, get started because you're in this together. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I'm grateful that we've had a chance to have a conversation with the author. Chris, thank you for doing this. Chris is going to be on our next uh, podcast as well, so you get a chance to hear from him again. Uh, but one of the things that we want to do is provide some leader helps. Uh, we know a lot of the, the folks who do this podcast are leaders of groups or leaders of Sunday school classes. So uh, there's some things that Lynn wants to tell you about that will help you um, in your work as a teacher. All right. Thanks, Chris. First, let me just tell you about the uh, what we call it the, the Bible Studies for Life Adult Leader Pack. It is a supplemental resource that goes along with uh, the group you're using, whether you're teaching a senior adult group, a young adult group, uh, whatever the mixture might be. There is a pack with it. It's, it's just got some additional posters, some handouts, some items like that. Now, you'll see these items referenced in your group plan in the leader guide. And these just, we look at these as easy use features for, uh, as a teacher. It's, it's easier for me just to pull this out, display it on the wall, and to talk about it as opposed to me having to sit down with my third grade way of drawing and trying to draw this out. There's just, there's just some great resources for this. There's also, a, a, you'll see a, a code in there that'll take you online. You can get those same resources online in a digital way. So if you, if you like to use PowerPoint with your small group, you can just put those same posters there in your PowerPoint, make a big uh, display it to the group. It's a great way to use that. So I, let me just encourage you, to, if you haven't uh, used one before, check out the Adult Leader Pack. Uh, also, let me offer you this tip. <laughs> As we look back on 2020, uh, you know, in years from now, we're going to look back on 2020 as this is the year of COVID-19. And if anything COVID-19 has done for the church, it has taught us how to do Bible study and how to interact as a church online. So let me encourage you as a teacher to think of ways that you can use uh, your, your online, your social media to connect with your group. I realize many of us have already started, uh, discovered the uh, ways we can do online Bible study, but even before your group meets, use, use your social media, use your church, uh, your group's Facebook page, use Twitter, throw out one of those questions uh, that's in, in your material, one of those questions you'd like for them to discuss, uh, or, or say, hey, I've been reading this paragraph, I've been reading this passage here, I want to know what you think when we get together. 
And the idea is just to put those seed thoughts out there to remind them, hey, be thinking about this. And those group members who take the time to think about that on their own, then when you get together as a group, it becomes a rich, rich group experience. So let me just encourage you, use online any way you can, social media, to connect with your group before the Bible study. Thank you for being with us today on the Bible Studies for Life podcast. I've enjoyed having the conversation uh, with Chris and Lynn and look forward to more conversations. Uh, thank you for joining us and come back and be with us again. Thank you.